Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Drought and flood is a pattern that occurs regularly in nature, going back thousands of years. That swing from hardly any water to too much water all at once is familiar to most people. Drought kills plants, turns healthy soil to dust, and can kill people. Floods wash away houses, people, cars, and anything else that happens to be in the path of rushing waters, including good soil. We care about soil because our plants need it in order to grow, and plants feed us. That's why floods and drought and what they do to our soil is so important. Is there anything you and I can do to protect our soil from the ravages of drought and flood? My guest, Pete Van Dyke, has some practical ideas on that, and he has experience in designing ecologies that keep good soil from being washed away or being blown away. I'd like to, first of all, welcome you to Mothering Earth. What you do, as I understand it, is show people how to increase their soil's capacity to hold water. Um, and, and so talk about that and why is that important? Uh, thank you for bringing me on here. Appreciate it. Right now, we have a cycle of flood and drought that has been happening in central Texas for quite some time. And um, which each, with each subsequent flood and drought, the conditions get worse. So basically, I'm trying to help people get better ground cover on their land so that the water soaks into the ground instead of running off. And um, then we try to figure out what's going to be the best solution for those folks. Because um, everyone's different. Right. And every land is different. So the way that we solve those problems is by increasing the ground cover. So getting plants covering the ground 100% of the time if we can for 100% of the ground. Right. Um, right now we have quite a bit of bare soil, which just exacerbates all the problems that we have. Right. But, but why is it important that the soil hold the water um, rather than just running off? Well, that is the cheapest way to store water in the landscape. Pete is a former Navy SEAL who found his current profession as a land restoration ecologist quite by accident. I was reading this book called The Resilient Farm and Homestead huh. by Ben Falk. He's a really, really great book. But he started talking about this thing called permaculture, and I was like, oh, what's that? And then all of a sudden, uh, my life just totally changed because... I, I gained this clarity that I didn't have before, understanding of what was going on in my surroundings. Um, yeah, talk about what permaculture is. Um, well, to me, permaculture is a system of design that provides for the needs of humanity without destroying the planet. Mm -hmm. So it's sustainable design, regenerative design, best practices. Um, there's no real recipe for it. It's just taking into context this the situation that you're in, um, you know, the climate and the geography and the climate in between the person's ears, you know. Um, and we take all that into account to come up with, you know, nature-based solutions um, that can be productive and also beneficial to the landscape. 
So that was a sort of life-changing book for you. Yes, it was. And I went and took a permaculture design course with a man named Jeff Lawton. He's an Australian fellow, and it was really great. Um, and after that, I, I pretty much became very focused. Um, I had never been that focused before in my life because I didn't really know what I was doing. So everything changed. Uh, ended up getting a divorce. <laughs> uh, lost pretty much everything, um, you know, and and sort of like went into like this debt spiral that I've just now like sort of climbed myself out of. But all of that was worth it because now I'm, you know, doing what I know I should be doing, you know. You're listening to Mothering Earth. Uh, I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here today with Pete Van Dyke, and we're talking about his work as a restoration specialist, uh, or ecologist, I should say. Um, and you were just uh, talking about permaculture and your introduction to permaculture, mm-hmm. um, and then that you got into this work of land restoration. So um, earlier you had talked about going to school to learn uh, how to operate heavy equipment. Talk about that. Um, right. So... Uh, when I moved to Austin, Texas, back in 2014, I got involved with the uh, like the local permaculture volunteer community. Um, went one of my mentors now. His name's Kirby Fry. He's a great, great individual, and um, I was working with him, and I found out, or I noticed that we had to hire all of these heavy equipment opera- operators who were um, just conventional construction guys who didn't really understand the uh, the design process that we were going through um, because everything is in conventional construction is designed to drain. So you're draining building sites, you're draining roads. It's all about drainage. Mm. And we are trying to harvest water. So it just wasn't really working out that well. Mm. So I decided to fill that niche um, and I had GI Bill money, so I took advantage of it and found a construction school that um, trained me up in heavy equipment operations where I learned all the different machines and, you know, civil blueprint reading and grades and um, surveying and layout and all that stuff. And so I brought that back and just started doing that work and filled that niche. And I've been doing it ever since. And that's provided me with the opportunity to um, get my own clients for design work. And uh, it's been really great so far. And I think it's a great future mm-hmm. for my business. Okay. Um, and then you, uh, now I was looking at uh, some of your information online, You're in, and you talked about your mission. Tell us about your mission. Right. So um, the mission... And so my website is droughtprooftx.com, so Droughtproof Texas, and that's my call to action for all the folks living in Texas to um, start taking responsibility for their own water. And um, so the the mission of Droughtproof Texas is to total rehydration of the entire state of Texas built on the foundations of biologically rich and regenerating soils. That's a uh, big uh, mission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I get a lot of laughs from people when they hear that. You know, I don't, I can, they can't take me, I don't know if they're taking me seriously or, or what, but I don't know. It's just, 
I mean, why would my goal be any less than that? Right, right. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, so in Texas and elsewhere in the country, people are familiar with this pattern that you talked about at the beginning of this pattern of uh, very dry and then very wet to, you know, where it's flooding mm -hmm. um, and, and, uh, and things get washed away, your soil gets washed away. Um, talk about that and what you do to help people um, get around that problem. Well, the, the most important thing that we talk about is soil fertility. So um, there's been numbers coming out from the NRCS recently that NRCS the yes. National Resource Conservation Service, um, it's a federal government institution, but um, they have figured out that for every 1% of organic matter in your soil, that holds around 27,000 gallons of water per acre. Wow. So, um, and just to give you some context on that, uh, one inch of rain over an acre is about 27,000 gallons. So you could sort of equate that to, you know, if you have 3% organic matter on your soil, then you're going to be able to absorb about three inches of rain um, and hold that as potential water storage in your soil. And, um, and so if you have 5% organic matter, you can take five inches of rain without runoff. Right. And um, so if you have 3% organic matter in your soil, that's 81,000 gallons of water storage potential versus 1% that's 27,000 gallons. Right. Most of the soils around here in central Texas are at about you know, 1% to 2% organic matter in the soils. Mm -hmm. And an average healthy soil uh, has a minimum of 5% organic matter. Okay. So our soils are very depleted. Um, which is why it's so hard to grow stuff out here. And, um, and it just produces less valuable and nutrient-dense products whenever you have less organic matter in the soil. So if you don't, if you don't have plants growing, then you're not going to be increasing your soil organic matter. So, um, whenever so you, you don't want bare land. Right, so whenever you have green plants photosynthesizing, they take in sunlight, water, and carbon dioxide, and they do some pretty amazing stuff. They, they split the water molecule, and um, the oxygen is exhaled, and then they use those remaining hydrogens to um, create sugars. And that sugar is used to, um, uh, as food that they use to maintain their bodies. And in the good times, they'll have excess. So that excess sugar literally drips through the root system of the plants, through the tip of the roots. And that's where you start to see under a microscope um, billions of microorganisms feasting on those sugars at the tips of the roots. And so what's happening is the plant is um, having this interaction with these microorganisms. They're getting um, nutrients and minerals that are vital to their survival that they cannot obtain on their own. Right. And through that process and all that cycling, um, and the final digestion of all of that is through fungi, that creates humus, which holds a lot of water and is analogous to honey for plants. So bees mm -hmm. um, create honey and they store it for the winter as their long-term food source. Well, humus in the soil is very similar to that because 
the plants are using that as a long-term stable food source. Right. And um, that's a can, great analogy. I've never heard that before. Right. Yeah. And so, so um, that can last in the soil for yeah. a thousand years. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I'm here with Pete Van Dyke, and we're talking about uh, creating soils that hold water. But right now, it's time for a break. We're back now. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I'm here with Pete Van Dyke, and uh, he's a restoration ecologist and heavy equipment operator uh, who works with people uh, who want their land to be restored to a more uh, productive uh, level and to be for their soils to be able to hold a lot more water. So when you work with people to do that, uh, well, talk about that business. What, how, how does that work? And, and, and then what, what do you actually do to make their soil better? Well, um, first of all, my business does a few things. Um, we help people select land for purchase. So if you, if you have a person who's buying land, we can help them buy something that's going to be more easily developed and um, something that's just not going to be... Uh, um, expensive to develop so that's that's probably the most value I can add to folks to um, find the right property that's for that's fits their context and then after that I do full-scale property designs um, all based on elements of soil and water conservation and their needs um, and um, then we do the installation stuff and there's all kinds of strategies that you can use. Um, usually when I give presentations about this, I start from the top of the hill and work our way down because... Oh, well, let's do that. Yeah. Do you, do you have an example project that you want to talk about? Yes. Where you did that? Absolutely. Um, so there's there's all kinds of stuff but, that you can do, but mostly it's um, whatever it takes to get that ground cover. Um, and sometimes it's going to require a little bit more effort than in other places. Um, so we start at the top of the hill because um, that's where the water starts to gain energy as it moves downhill. Um, but whenever the water is already down into the channelized creeks and rivers, it's, it's, it's too late because there's just too much water to deal with. Um, if you start up in the hillsides and the hilltops, there's a lot less runoff to manage and therefore you can you can actually manage it without um, worrying about your work getting damaged um, so yeah I one of the one of the best places that um, that or one of my favorite places that we've done this stuff is a, a farm in Spicewood uh, Terra Puretza farm their uh, regenerative agriculture farm mm -hmm. they're really great hard-working for folks uh, which makes my job a lot easier but basically we had a they started off with five acres and um it was right at the top of a hill oh. 
um, and it was all basically barren caliche with not very much plants growing so if you if you look down if you're standing in their land and you look down at your feet you can see how much bare soil there is it was probably 75 percent bare wow. soil and um so what we did was we built some soil and water conservation terraces um, some people call them berms and swales but they're level and um and so they, that's where the heavy equipment comes in. Right. right. Yep. Okay. So I used a mini excavator, a 7,600-pound machine with rubber tracks. It's really gentle on the land and uh, really precise. So we used that machine to build a system of terraces, and um, they were about you know, 8 foot wide in the basin and 9 inches deep, and the berm is probably about 9 foot wide. And on the crest of the berm is where we plant all the trees. But we we built those terraces, and then we covered the whole site with mulch. And um, what kind of mulch? That they were able to get some free cedar mulch. Mm -hmm. Apparently, there was some neighborhood development going in, and they were just trying to get rid of the stuff because it's garbage to them, you know. And uh, so they ended up getting a lot of mulch for free, mm -hmm. uh, dropped off at their place. And um, so we used that. We covered the whole property with mulch and seed, so there's no more bare soil. And we planted um, cover crops like rye and oats and clover. Mm -hmm. But we also planted very diverse mixture of native seed, native grasses and wildflowers. And... Um, you can you can see this project on my website. We basically eliminated runoff on that property, um, so there hasn't been any runoff coming from that five acres since 2016. Wow! And they are um, producing chickens on and eggs on mm -hmm. that property. So in between those terraces, there's little grazing alleyways, and so they're moving their chickens around in these little chicken tractor yeah. things and uh, the chickens are on fresh ground every single day so it's very clean and healthy for them right and um that so thing how, how long did it take for the seeds to become to come up and well and was there any watering involved or was they just we depending we, on natural rainfall we um we did install an irrigation system so we had a, a really great volunteer event go out there where there was about 40 people this was with an the nonprofit that I work with called Earth Repair Corps. So we had a group of about 40 people come out and we did some fencing and we installed the irrigation system through their whole property. We mulched and seeded the whole property. We planted over, I think we planted 150 trees all in two days right. on Saturday and Sunday. And um, so there was irrigation going to the trees, but not to anything else. Right. And um, but the, all the other seeds and everything were just watered with what rainfall fell. Yeah. And um, so, you know, within a year, the whole... I went back a year a year later, and uh, I, was, I was amazed because the whole place was just like wildflower explosion. And the, the terraces were covered with, with wildflowers that were, I don't know, three to four foot tall. Just a massive amount of... Mm -hmm. of uh, you know, biological material that was produced. Uh, so, so once these uh, uh, plants come up and everything, they're uh, the people there. I'm 
Well, tell me what, what happens with those grand covers once they die down. Do they leave them or well, chop most, them up? Well, most of them are eaten. Oh. So the animals processing them okay. and turning it into manure. And then after the animals move off a certain piece, okay. they put more mulch down and more seed. Mm-hmm. And then they get that cover, that, oh, okay. re, that place revegetated. But if they don't have a chance to get the animals in there in time, then they'll probably just mow it okay. or just cut, chop, and drop it, you know? Just leave it in place, though. They're not yes. composting it or anything. It's yeah. composting in place. Yes. You're listening to Mothering Earth. My name is Salwa Khan, and I'm here with Pete Van Dyke, and we're talking about uh, creating soils that hold water. Um, so uh, now you talked... Uh, at one point about cover crops. Mm-hmm. Talk more about what, what are cover crops and why do we need them? Okay, so like I said earlier, one of our goals is to have 100% ground cover 100% of the time. So um, a lot of farmers are starting to realize that it pays to grow cover crops. So earlier we talked about the process of photosynthesis and how that feeds the soil food web and um, prevents erosion and and um, helps store mo- moisture in the soil. So um, if you go around a lot a lot of places around here right now, you might see quite a few large acreages that are just um, prepped for being planted in the spring. And there's nothing growing there. Right. So whenever it rains, um, you get erosion and there's actually not a lot of water that infiltrates into that soil. There's not a lot of life in that soil being fed by photosynthesis. So it's just a missed opportunity to uh, help create that soil fertility and prep your crops even better in the spring. So what a lot of really great farmers are doing now is they have plants growing as much as possible during the year. Year round, yeah. Yep, and... um, and they're actually getting, uh, they're lowering their inputs, so less fertilizer, less pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, um, and they are um, actually making more money. So lowering their inputs and making more money. Because they don't have to spend the money on right. those so, products. That, yeah, because yeah. the plants are doing the work. Right. So they, you know, they just throw out the seeds, or they use a no-till seed drill, and um, they do mixtures, and oftentimes those cover crops can be grazed by um, uh, livestock mm-hmm. or wildlife. Um, so you're getting a lot of yields and improvements just by putting seeds in the ground and getting ground cover. You're also preventing erosion. It's, it, it really starts immediately as soon as the rainfall hits the ground. Like That's where the problem is which is why we're trying to create 100% ground cover 100% of the time, which is the most important thing that I can share with with everyone is just get plants growing, cover up the bare soil, yeah. and um, then we won't have so much uh, brown water in the river, dirty water in the rivers, um, and the plants actually help clean up pollution, and there's just all kinds of amazing benefits. Right, right. So um, now a lot of these practices um, that you've talked about so far, we've talked about on farms and and sort of bigger pieces of land. Mm -hmm. But 
can these also be used by small gardeners who have just a tiny little plot or or just a small yard or something like that? What, how, how can we adapt this to everybody? You know, generally on smaller urban areas, it's just going to be using organic matter and plants. So mulch, compost, um, keeping plants growing as much as possible during the year. I mean, that's, that's really, and, you know, just doing that and growing your own food is, takes a lot of pressure off the transportation system and, mm-hmm. you know, that food you're growing is a little uh, better for your health. And, um, yeah. you know, there's, there's a few things, um, in smaller gardens, it's a little more appropriate to do mineral amendments, um, organic matter, lots of seed, right. um, and just and keep people, again, just keeping soil covered. Yes, yeah. and people can do uh, small scale terraces and um, masonry beds on mm-hmm. contour, that sort of thing. I think all that stuff's really great. So the, so I guess what I'm trying to get to is that these are practices that are adaptable to virtually anyone that Ab- has a garden. Absolutely. Check out www.droughtprooftx.com. And feel free to get out there and start covering your soil with plants whose roots will hold in moisture and soil and will create biological matter to increase your soil's capacity to hold water. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, 